I was thinking about doing something with the weather as an April Fool's, but that'd just be cruel. I can't do that. Sorry, Terry, but <laughs> it would have just been too mean uh, saying that, you know, we're looking at 80-degree uh, weather coming up for the rest of the week. I nah, can't do it. But, uh, you know, uh, one thing I am going to talk about is thinking ahead to the warmer weather today. And one of the most common questions that I get asked throughout the year is how much water does a lawn need? And there is not a simple answer to that question. There are many things that have to be factored in. Uh, But before any of that, you've got to actually understand the biology of a grass plant. And that gets really interesting. So I figured uh, we'd talk about that a little bit today, watering your lawn. Not that it's needed at this point, but, uh, you know, that and uh, some other aspects of uh, lawn care, since our lawns are going to be greening up, and we're going to be getting out on them very, very soon, hopefully, uh, barring any major malfunctions with the weather and, you know, nice little hidden surprises that Mother Nature may have in store for us still. But, uh, yeah, the, the, we've already had our first thunderstorm, so that's a plus. And, you know, hopefully, uh, slowly but surely, the days will continue to get warmer and nicer. Okay, uh, like I said, uh, we're going to be talking about lawns today in between phone calls. But if you've got a question about anything else that's green or growing, it could be your about your lawn, your gardens, trees, shrubs, houseplants, uh, fire away. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And you can shoot a text uh, to me on that same number. And, again, it's 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? This is Todd. Hey, Todd. How's it going? Not too bad. Why I'm calling is, would it be all right to uh, put down grass seed? Okay. Uh, what are we uh, thinking about doing, Todd? Is, are, um, is it total bare area, or are you just no, wanting to thicken no. up a lawn, or what have you? It's just thinning out, and I want to put some seed down. Okay. Uh, that's actually another thing I was going to talk about today with the lawn, so we'll get to that part first. That's a tricky question. Now, if your lawn is super thin, like almost brand new, you know, uh, very sparse grass. And, you know, you're going to need something down there for erosion control. So I would say yes at that point. But any time that you put down grass seed in the springtime, now, number one, when you put down grass seed, you have to disturb the soil underneath. Just throwing grass seed on the top of the lawn is like you're basically feeding the birds. You have to incorporate that seed down to the soil. Otherwise, yeah, because I've already raked uh, the leaves and okay. dead grass up. Okay, good. Now, if uh, as long as you incorporate the seed down to the soil, uh, it will start to uh, germinate for you uh, okay. when, the, when the soil warms up. But any time that you disturb the soil in the spring, you're going to have a crop of crabgrass there come summertime. And there's no evading that. If it's sunny uh, or even partly sunny, you're going to get crabgrass in that uh, spot. Now, you can't put down a crabgrass preventer in this case because that will keep your seed from coming up too. 
That'll stop your regular oh. breastfeed. So uh, you're kind of stuck there. Now, uh, how long would I have to wait then to put fertilizer down? You can put fertilizer down. You can actually put a seed starter down, uh, you know, the day that you do the seeding. Oh. Uh, that's not going to hurt anything, but you're still going to have the crabgrass pop come summertime. Okay. Uh, you can't get away from that fact. Now, uh, if your lawn is, you know, you're just uh, trying to thicken it up a little bit, you know, it's a little thin, what I yeah. would do is I would just fertilize it. Okay. And not bother with the seeding. Allow it to thicken up naturally with the fertilizer. Make sure it gets, uh, you know, uh, ample amount of uh, water, which we're going to be talking about. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, go from there. Come, uh, you know, late August, going into September, go out there and check it out and reevaluate it. If it needs to be uh, seeded at that point, then by all means, go for it. And, uh, you know, go ahead and get your seed out there, loosen up the soil, uh, remove any, you know, weeds or crabgrass that might be, you know, heavy and keep uh, grass seed from coming in. Uh, get the grass seed down and, uh, you know, keep it uh, watered, and especially after it germinates, and you'll be good to go. And now uh, you don't have to worry about the crabgrass come next springtime. Okay? All right. Okie doke. All right. Thanks. Okay, Todd. Thanks for the question, and uh, thanks for listening. You have a great day. And, yeah, that's a really common question this time of year. Everybody thinks that spring is a time for seeding your lawn, and it's not. Uh, If you, like I was saying, if you've got a totally bare lawn and you have to seed it, then by all means do so. But I also wouldn't go wasting a whole ton of money on really good grass seed. I get the... I wouldn't go for the cheapest stuff out there because that's going to be almost all... uh, uh, annual uh, ryegrass. Uh, uh, some annual ryegrass in the quick grow seed is okay, uh, but a lot of it is not. And so, but and the cheaper you go, the more annual ryegrass there is. And just so you know what uh, I'm meaning, every uh, box of grass seed or bag of grass seed should come with a set of ingredients uh, listed on it. And it will tell you exactly what percentages of uh, the different types of grass seed are. It will tell you how much uh, blue grass is in there. Uh, it will tell you how much uh, rye and how much fescue. And a lot of times it will even break down those uh, the three major ones into different uh, subgroups. Like you might have jaguar chew- chewing's uh, blue and... You know, different types of bluegrass or what have you, uh, uh, or different types of ryegrass or fescues. And uh, it'll also give you a percentage of annual ryegrass. Now, annual, the rest of those uh, grasses are perennial. That means they come back season after season. Annual means it grows once and then it croaks. And it doesn't come back. It has to uh, reseed itself in order for it to come back. So that is not something good for your lawn, unless you're down south uh, where it's a lot warmer and uh, you can get better uh, mileage out of it. But uh, up here, it's not really that good. Now, a little bit of annual ryegrass is great, though, for erosion control, Uh, especially if you're trying to do it on a budget and you're not going to be out there putting down hay or something like that over the top of the lawn, annual ryegrass sprouts super quick. 
usually within three days. These uh, advertisements that you see in the back of magazines and online and everything, uh, them spraying uh, a cinder block with uh, this grass seed mixture, and all of a sudden the cinder block winds up looking like a chia pet by the end of the week. That's annual ryegrass. Uh, yeah, it grows that quickly, and it can, like I said, it can uh, germinate within three days. But the first time it gets hit by uh, high heat, high dry heat, or just a uh, drought for that matter, it's going to die, and it's not going to come back again once it gets watered. Once that stuff's dead, it's dead. So it's not really that great of a grass to have. It does uh, have its benefits, like I said, for erosion control. It'll keep uh, the other seed in place and allow that to uh, get started. So a little bit's good, but I wouldn't go for too much. Okay, that's going to take us to our first break. Uh, We'll be right back here at the Plant Doctor Show. We're here at 1410 WYZM in just a couple of minutes. If you've got a question about anything green or growing, please go ahead and give me a call uh, or shoot me a text. number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914, and we will be right back. It looks like we've got one caller coming in, two open lines, and no texts. Uh, 608-785-7914. And uh, let's see here. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Hi, this is Fran calling. Hi, Fran. How are you today? I'm doing real well. That's I've good. I've got a question for you. I've got a jade plant ah. that I'm trying to decide if I should. I want to transplant it, trying to decide if I should transplant <laughs> it to a bigger pot or divide it. Mm. And it probably... I've had it since the 1970s, and it was uh, from a snip of a 25-year-old plant then. Uh-huh. And it's uh, probably about 45 inches high from the ground, from the bottom of the pot, in a 13-inch diameter, uh, 10-inch high. And the pot is plastic, and it's starting to uh, break. I bet. (laughs) I bet. (laughs) <laughs> the tree must weigh more than the pot in the soil. Uh, wow, that's a big one. Uh, and and uh, uh, the diameter of some of the stalks are like two and a quarter inch. Wow, sweet. I'd love to see a picture of that. Do me a favor. Uh, do you go uh, into Facebook at all? Yes. Okay, go to the plant dock of lacrosse. Okay. okay. And uh, friend me on that. And uh, post a picture of that. I'd love to see that. Uh, jades are one of my favorite plants all around. And uh, I had uh, I started one out like that uh, when I was back in school, as a matter of fact. And uh, we were growing them as, you know, they're so simple to uh, propagate from our leaves. Uh, it was a class project, and we all started jade plants for our parents. And later, that was, you know, like in my elementary school years. Uh, later down the line, uh, when I was in high school, and I was going half day regular school, half a day uh, we, I went to a vocational school, and uh, I was taking greenhouse management there. And I actually brought in a few of the uh, leaves to that class, and I started more plants from that original one that I started uh, back when I was a kid. And I started a bunch of plants from that. And, 
they got shipped out to, you know, some were, you know, sold from that greenhouse, but a lot of them were given to uh, my family as gifts. And my uh, grandmother got one who handed it down to my aunt when she died, who passed it down to my sister when she moved, who uh, gave it to a restaurant, to put, and they put it in their front window. And it was about the size of the one that you're talking about. It was just gargantuan. And it looked like, you know, uh, an, a miniaturized oak tree. The thing was just so big. And has yours bloomed at all? It has, uh, but not very often. Little white flowers. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and, and there is no rhyme or reason when uh, jades bloom. Uh, but it only happens uh, when they get big like that. And it's a pretty cool thing to see because I never even thought of a jade plant having a, a flower. But uh, every once in a while, they'll start to bloom. Okay, back to your question. Enough of my story. Uh, yes, it sounds like it's going to need to be repotted. I would not divide it. Uh, you'd probably wind up losing an awful lot of what you have there. Uh, because dividing it's going to uh, cause a lot of uh, shock and uh, dying off some of the uh, branches and such, so I would not divide it. So uh, you're going to want to move it to a larger pot, and you're going to need a much larger pot for something that big. I got one that's probably uh, maybe less, a little less than two inches bigger, and I got um, a, uh, what do you call that? Uh, ceramic, a ceramic pot. Okay. Uh, it's like four feet high, you're saying? So uh, it's in a 16-inch pot now? 13. 13-inch. So you're wanting to move it up to a 15-inch pot, and it's 48 inches high. I don't think that's going to be big enough. Uh, I would go up to at least a 24-inch pot, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. Why? <laughs> because that tree's going to get so top-heavy. And okay. if anything bumps into it, you're going to need a very large base to keep it from toppling over. Okay. And, okay. Uh, you know, you're going to need weight behind it uh, down on the ground level to, uh, you know, uh, ensure that the tree doesn't go anywhere on you. Because, I mean, okay. at this point, you're in fact, you're talking a tree, not a, a house plant anymore. I mean, the thing is four feet tall. That's gargantuan. But well, some people were though. telling that I should cut off, like, uh, at least half of it, and and then take the dirt off the roots mm. and repot that way. What do you think about that? Nah, nah. It's got, it's uh, taken so many years, and is it a nice shape? Yeah, it's not bad. Why mess and with I've, it? I've taken pieces off that have come down and re-put them in the base of the uh, plant, too, mm-hmm. and there's enough. I don't know if that's a good thing to do, but my sister had said any of the branches that go downwards to cut those off. Okay, that uh, I usually allow jades to go on their own and do what they want to do. Uh, okay. I know what your sister's saying, uh, and in most cases she's correct. That's called sucker growth. But jades grow in such weird directions and everything anyhow. I mean, they're like little bonsai trees. And yes. uh, in your case, a big bonsai. 
But uh, they do weird things, so I wouldn't go cutting uh, straight ones off. Now, if you do get a broken branch, uh, yeah, they're easy to repot, but I would try to refrain from doing it in the same pot because there's no way that you're going to be able to separate those without uh, hurting uh, the uh, parent plant down the line. The roots are going to become entangled, and for all intents and purposes, you have one plant at that point. So okay. uh, I would go ahead, uh, go if you want to uh, repot them, fine and dandy, without a doubt. You know, set a pot next to it and, you know, have its children, you know, right at its feet. But uh, I wouldn't keep them in the same pot, though, no. And the same thing goes for, like, Christmas cactus and uh, stuff like that. Uh, you can do it in the same pot to an extent, but once that plant gets to a certain size, you you kind of want to stop and, you know, just allow it and to, you know, take up that space and uh, go from there. Okay. But, but, yeah, I would definitely go up to at least a two-foot pot for that, uh, something with a good, solid, wide base to it, uh, just to make sure it doesn't topple over on you. So you're saying two foot high or two foot wide, the diameter? Uh, two foot wide. Uh, I would say height for it. Jades are pretty shallow rooting, so I, I don't think it has to be a full two foot high. Uh, it could be a little bit shorter than that, but I was meaning width. Okay? Okay. Okay. Diameter, yeah. Okay. And have some, uh, you know, good, strong, steady-handed people there with you when you do it. That's not going to be an easy job. <laughs> And, and the type of soil has to be um, so that it can drain very well, correct? Exactly. Um, any of the good potting soils that you can get out there would be uh, more than sufficient for it. But when you do repot it, you may have to stake it for a little while mm -hmm. until, until those roots grab a hold, okay? Okay, thank you very much. Okay, you're quite welcome, and good luck with that, friend. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's going to take us to our news break. We've got one caller coming in, so we'll get to him after the break. And we'll be right back here at 1410 WYZM in just a minute. And we are back. And a friend of mine, Jeannie, is on the line, so we're going to go ahead and shoot right on over to the phones. But we still have two open ones, too. And uh, I'm not sure if we have any texts or not, but you can shoot me a text on the same line as well. 608-785-7914 is the number for any planter gardening questions. And good morning, Jeannie. How are you? Good morning, Mike. <laughs> yeah, not Jeff. April Fool's, but I didn't. <laughs> oh, what can I do for you, Ann? Um, How are you doing today? I'm existing, yeah. <laughs> it's been a long week. Okay. Um, I have a question. I want to put rose bushes in our yard this year. Okay. I know nothing about rose bushes, and I don't want to kill them. Oh, okay. All you need to do is have me come over and touch them, and they will... I, there, I've got this uh, weird thing with roses. I have always had this weird thing with roses. I hate roses, but they love me. And if I touch a rose bush, it lives. I mean, it's like Jesus and Lazarus, I'm telling you. <laughs> Actually, we've, we've had a uh, rose bush that we nicknamed Lazarus. 
because it was a dead stick when we stuck it in the ground. The only reason why we stuck it in the ground is it was a gift to us from one of the kids. And, you know, we wanted to make it look like we're planting it. And sure as hell, this thing comes back to life, and it wound up being a gargantuan bush. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah, roses are not that hard, especially if you're talking about the uh, your good old-fashioned uh, wild rose type, uh, which have much better scent than the uh, newer roses have. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you can go for the new new roses, uh, too. I mean, they've got them in all sorts of different colors and such. And, you know, I don't want to downplay them. I mean, roses are a beautiful plant. There's no doubt about it. The reason well, why I don't like them is because of landscaping. And if you have to deal with a rose bush and with landscaping, you'll learn quick uh, the drawbacks of having a rose bush. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people love them. I can't blame them for it. They're a gorgeous flower, and they smell beautiful as well. You're the rose whisperer, okay? Yeah, kind of, sort of, unfortunately, maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, every rose bush that I touch thrives. And I don't know what it is, uh, but it, it's true. And uh, come on over, and I'll give you a hand planting them. How's that sound? <laughs> Oh my goodness! Okay, I'll, I'll hire you to come over and touch my plants. Yeah, okay. if Terry's listening right now, she's probably laughing her butt off because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. We had this one that came up from uh, her mom's neighbor's house many, many years ago. It was right after Terry moved over to Holman, okay. and I helped her transplant it. And this thing, it, this was like a uh, wild rose bush, and uh, we popped it in the ground right in the corner of uh, where the front of the house uh, meets the driveway. Bad place for a rose bush to begin with. <laughs> but, you know, it looked nice there for the first year. And then it started to grow and grow and grow and grow. And this thing turned into a monster. I was literally multiple times a year lopping off feet of this thing at once. And, oh, Yeah. Uh, it was gargantuan, and it got to the point where I just got sick and tired of pruning the stinking bush back, and there was no way I could dig it out, so I wrapped a chain around it, and I threw it around the uh, trailer hitch to my work truck, and I took off, and that was that for that rose bush, but, uh, and it was after that that we got Lazarus, too, so <laughs> that one kind of took its place, but we had that one a little bit more proper of an area. Was it a climbing rose bush, or was it one of just regular ones that just stick up? Just, a, you know, a good old-fashioned regular rose bush. Uh, you know, pink. It wasn't a multiflora. Uh, it was, you know, well, it opened up as a multiflora, but then the uh, uh, flowers uh, kind of flattened out. Had a beautiful scent to it. Uh, God, when that thing was in full bloom, I mean, it literally had hundreds of blooms on it at once, and you could smell it from, you know, 100 feet away easily. Well, our old house that we lived in, we had literally one lavender rose that came up on a stem. Nothing else, just one lavender. Wow. And But it was the sweetest rose when we brought it in. Mm-hmm. It didn't smell anything like the ones you get in the in the garden centers. It, this one had a beautiful scent to it. Huh. 
but it grew up in the middle of the flowers bed in our yard, but I never put it in. But it was only one stick and then one rose. Ah, wow. Uh, and, you know, roses uh, can be propagated by seed. Uh, and that's very likely what happened in that case. You know, some bird might have been eating the seeds and, you know, flew over and uh, dropped it down in a, a little packet of, uh, you know, uh, pre-made bird fertilizer. And, you know, the seed took off from there. And Here. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, uh, roses will uh, propagate from seed very easily. Uh, usually if you've got a rose bush out in the lawn, a lot of times you'll see, uh, you know, babies coming up out from uh, the outer edges of the plant. You know, way too far out for it to be roots, but, you know, you know that's from the uh, seed pods dropping off and, uh, you know, new ones starting. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Okay, and we will d definitely get together. I want you guys over to my place, and uh, I want to come over and give you a hand uh, popping in your roses, and uh, we'll go from there. Well, that'll be awesome. I've always wanted roses in the yard, in okay. my yard here, so, but I never knew how to start them, so thank you very much. Okay, tell Jeff I said howdy. Okay, you have a great day. Tell Terry hi, son. Will do. Will do. Bye-bye. And, yeah, Roses and I have always had this major love-hate relationship. They love me, and I hate them. Uh, had them up at my hunting club, and uh, my uncle popped a bunch of uh, rose bushes around the dam of our pond. And uh, they look beautiful. And he's like, yeah, they'd be beautiful blooming up there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Roses, how nice. The only thing, you know, <laughs> the one thing about Roses is they grow. And mind you, they were growing in probably some of the most fertile soil in the world. I mean, this was the dam was, you know, dredged up from the pond. So, you know, it's got all the fish poop and everything else inside that soil. I mean, this was some fertile stuff. Uh, way too good for roses. And they popped them in there, and within a couple of years, you couldn't even walk by them. They and these plants were so big, they were they were planted on the top of the uh, dam, and they were reaching out from the center of the plant. I'd say a solid fifteen to twenty feet. Uh, they were all the way down to the water's edge, and you couldn't even walk by them anymore. And we had to go out there with. Very slowly with loppers and every, you know, eventually chainsaws. Once we, once we got a hole in there to where we can really work at it and clean all those things away. So that's the one thing you have to be really careful about with roses. If you're thinking about putting them in, is placement. Uh, it, roses will reach out and grab you. Uh, they are not a friendly plant to have. You know, they're not a nice, soft plant, you know, that you can, you know, plant and forget about, especially along a sidewalk or any place that you, you know, want to travel by. Uh, if you're going to keep them pruned and down small, hey, fine and dandy, go for it. But if you're like me and you want to allow them to grow, uh, maybe something different in that spot might be a better idea. But, you know, out in the middle of the lawn where you can walk around them or whatever, you know, fine, Daddy, that's cool. But okay, we've got uh, no uh, phone calls. Let's take a look here, see if we've got any questions online. Uh, dee, 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 dee. No, that's not it. Where'd it go to? There we are. 
yes, we do have a couple. Uh, let's see. Sarge says, I've got bare spots in my lawn. Is it possible to start new seed and still treat for crabgrass? Good question, Sarge. The answer is no. You cannot. Uh, the same thing that the aspect that the crabgrass uh, preventers target is present in both crabgrass and real grass. Uh, the plants are too close to differentiate. And it, it targets uh, new seeds coming up, and it creates a vapor barrier that the new seeds cannot penetrate. So a uh, quick answer is no, I'm sorry, you can't. If you've got big bare spots and you must treat them, hey, go for it. Use some cheap grass seed, get something green in there, you know, keep it from wearing down even more during the uh, spring and summer. And, uh, you know, come late summer, early fall, plan on reseeding it again because I guarantee you it will be crabgrass come that time. Okay, and let's see, we have one more question. Uh, this one's from a no-name, and it says, I have an umbrella plant that is over six feet tall. That's a decent size one. It keeps losing leaves, but new ones are also coming. I think it needs pruning. What would you suggest to do with this? Okay, uh, I'm guessing that you're going to have it in a pot, and if it's losing leaves, it's very likely that the plant uh, needs to be repotted at this point. Uh, umbrellas, especially if you fertilize them, can come root-bound rather quickly, and uh, leaf drop is one of the sure signs of uh, that. Now, there is another sign of uh, leaf drop, or another cause of leaf drop, and that's that the plant is either in a hot or cold draft. So uh, make sure that it is in neither of those spots. Uh, go ahead and mist it regularly, but uh, you don't want, you know, uh, hot or cold uh, wind or even, you know, just a hot or cold spot for that plant either. It needs a very temperate area. Uh, a very humid area would also help. Okay, and it, uh, when you go to replant it, of course, do not fertilize it right away. Uh, you can do it into uh, some good potting soil. That would be fine, but don't go adding any uh, you know commercial-grade fertilizer to it because that will wind up uh, hurting it in the long run. Okay, we're going to go ahead and take a little bit of a break here. Uh, uh, we got eh, maybe a couple of minutes until we got to take a break. But if anybody has a question about anything green or growing, please go ahead and give me a phone call. Number down here at WISM is 608-785-7914. And, wow, we are three-quarters of the way through the show, and I didn't even get started talking about watering the lawn today. <clears throat> but, uh, and like I was saying, watering lawns is not as simple as uh, most people would think it would be. There's a lot of factors that go into it. Uh, you know, once it gets hot and humid outside, we tend to migrate indoors to cool off. But unfortunately, plants don't have that option. They've got to stay out and deal with the crummy weather. Uh, and some plants, like grass plants, have the ability to shut down. And this is where I said we, you'd have to understand the biology of the plants. Now, if they're given uh, ample moisture, yes, they can stay green. Uh, 
but going into very humid weather, you want to be careful with your watering. Uh, actually, in very humid weather, even though if we don't get rain, but we still have high humidity, you need to cut way back on the watering. And I would even go as far to say I would allow the lawn to go dormant than keep it too wet. And the reason being a lawn that's too wet in high humidity and heat is more than likely going to get uh, nailed by a fungus attack, which can do some real damage. Now, if you allow the lawn to go dormant, uh, the plant just falls asleep for a little while until the conditions are uh, more, more uh, environmentally friendly for it to grow. And then it'll come out of dormancy. And usually that's after, you know, the weather cools down a little bit and rains pick up. And uh, it will green right back up again for you. Now, of course, we are talking about perennial lawns, you know, your standard lawn grass. If you do have a lot of annual seed in your lawn, once that's gone, it's gone. It's not going to come back. <clears throat> so you do need to be careful of that. And uh, now, it does, a dormant lawn is more susceptible to other types of damage since it's not growing, though. Uh, and if it's very hot and dry out, uh, when hot and dry is a lot different than hot and humid. Hot and dry will uh, cause the uh, plants to get crispy, and that is something that we don't want. Uh, well, as long as you can stay off your lawn, it's not going to be that bad. But if you're out there walking around on it and it's crispy and crunchy, every step you hear where you go crunch, crunch, uh, that's going to be a uh, dead spot uh, because it's not going to come back. You're crunching off the top of the plant. So uh, you need to be careful of that. So, you know, it is a balancing act. Uh, you have to figure out which is better and which is worse. Let it go dormant or uh, keep it alive. Now, keeping it from uh, going uh, brown in the first place is three things you need to keep in mind. Water, water, and more water. Uh, the summer winds zap every bit of moisture out of the soil. Now, normally a lawn receiving between three-quarters and an inch of water every three or four days is enough. But you can easily give a lawn a half an inch of water every day on those, you know, super long, uh, dry, hot days and get away with it. Okay, we got a caller coming in, so let's go back to the lines because we don't have too much time left to the show. Good morning on your plant. Uh, good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Oh, this is Jim. Hey, Jim, what can I do for you? Hey, I don't know if you said anything about it this morning. I just got on the radio and I heard you on there. Um, I was wondering, how do you keep rabbits from eating your um, flowers? Well, okay. got, uh, Yeah, look, um, I can't remember what they call them, but they just keep eating the tops of the flowers. You don't get them. Okay. Um, all kidding aside, uh, rabbits are a pain in the neck. Uh, you honestly, the best thing that you can pop up around your flowers is a little bit of fencing. I know most people don't want to hear that, but that's really the best answer there is. Uh, you can try using chew knot or ropel. Uh, both of them are you can pick up at a uh, one of the co-ops. 
they have them in the area. Uh, they're a spray-on uh, product. It goes on kind of like a milky white, but it dries clear. And it has a the main ingredient, and it's called Bitrex, and the stuff is super bitter. It will keep both deer and rabbits away. But the only problem is the plants, that you, with deer, it's easier because uh, they're going after slower-growing plants like shrubs. With uh, okay. flowers, you know, they're growing so quickly and any new growth is not going to be protected. And that's where the issue comes in with using a uh, spray repellent. Uh, they are not really as susceptible to uh, scent repellents like using mothballs or something like that, like a deer would be. So that's why I say about your best bet, honestly, is fencing to keep the critters away. Yeah, it's the tulips is what I was really okay. looking at because they're one of my favorite flowers, and they just, get eaten up before they get showing. And another so. thing, too, that you could do is, and this is kind of mean, but if you've got a sixth sense of humor like me, it can be kind of funny, too. Uh, when the plants are wet before bud break, sprinkle a little bit of cayenne pepper on them. Uh, okay. And rabbits do have memories. And trust me, that's one memory that they won't forget. Uh, and deer won't forget it either. Uh, they... Don't like hot stuff, and cayenne pepper will affect rabbits the same way as it affects us. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, thank you. Okay. Good luck with that. And that's going to take us to our uh, our uh, commercial break, and take care of that and a little bit of weather, and we'll be right back here at fourteen ten WYZM the Plant Doctor Show in just a minute. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. It looks like we got one more caller out here, so we're going to go straight over to the phone lines. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Uh, good morning. Hey, I had a quick question. I know years ago my mother would always plant uh, flowers around the garden to help, like, with insects. What were them dang little flowers? I always hated stepping over them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, personally, I don't think it helps out all that much, but okay. I know a lot of people do it. Uh, the flowers, there's primarily a couple different plants that people will do this with. Uh, marigolds is the flower, and I love marigolds. I and mean, don't get me wrong; they're one of my favorite uh, flowers uh, annuals to grow. Uh, they all sorts of different varieties. Most of them uh, between uh, uh, orangey red to orange to yellow, uh, and they're just a beautiful, bright, cheery uh, flower. And they do have some repellent capabilities to them, but. You'd have to have an awful lot of them to act as a true repellent, very honestly. Uh, the other one is uh, any type of plant that has a lemon smell to it. Uh, there's lemon grass, lemon balm. Uh, there's even uh, lemon mint out there uh, that's uh, related to uh, burning nettles, so it doesn't have any burning sensation to it. Uh, okay. But uh, all these plants will uh, help uh, keep uh, the insects away. But there, you've got to go ahead and break the uh, plant in order for the sap to come out. Uh, the leaves have to be torn, or the stem has to be broken, so you can actually smell the uh, lemon part of the sap, citrus smell. And that scent is what keeps them away. Just planting a plant there doesn't do deadly. 
uh, take a weed whacker and knock them down a little bit every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, throw some lemongrass out there and, you know, uh, keep weed whacking the top inch off. And, hey, that might be good to go. But, okay. uh, yeah, just having the plant there isn't going to do anything very All right. Okay. Thanks. Yep. Okay, thanks for the call. And you have a great day now. You Bye-bye. You too. And, yeah, a lot of people ask me that question. That's a pretty common one. Uh, what plants are best at keeping insects away? And, unfortunately, the answer, not really any of them. Uh, like I said, uh, the ones with the lemon scent to them will work, but you've got to have them, uh, you have to break them in order to allow that scent to escape. And I had mentioned to him about the uh, mint uh uh, relative uh, that has a lemon scent to it, a lemon mint. And I mentioned about burning nettles. And uh, most people don't realize that nettles, mint, catnip, spearmint, peppermint, all those plants are of the same uh, family. And, uh, yeah, uh, actually, it doesn't even have to be a, a lemon scent because mint will also help keep it, uh, the insects away. Uh, so, you know, anything in that family, uh, will work. Uh, be carefully that you don't use burning nettles, of course. You don't want to have, have that growing around the outside of your garden. But, uh, you know, any of the other, uh, nettle type plants will be, uh, fine for it. And plus, you know, uh, if you do grow, uh, mint, uh, you know, you get your, uh, there's some good aspects about having mint, especially if you're an iced tea drinker. You take a handful of mint leaves and throw them into your iced tea and, you know, allow them to steep for a day or so, and you get a really nice mint tea. Uh, you can use them for your ro- the leaves on your roast lamb. They taste wonderful. Uh, you can even make mint jelly if you know how to go about doing that. But, uh, yeah, the mints are a really cool plant to have, and there's all sorts of different scents that uh, they come in. And uh, it's a pretty interesting plant. Even coleus is a type of mint. Uh, most people don't realize that, too. Though I wouldn't go eating one of those plants because uh, you might start seeing as many colors as uh, you can see on the leaves. They will act as a hallucin- hallucinogenic uh, p- drug, uh, if you will. 